You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom. Subscribe, give a five-star rating, and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat. And stay up to date. Hi there. You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today, I've got another guest from America, and his name is Robert Henry. Hi, Robert. How's it going, Dom? Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I've been listening to your music for the past couple of weeks now, um, since your PR sent me a load of your stuff. And I've got to say, it is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's always nice to hear that, because a, uh, a lot of work goes into each song. So, thank you, man. I mean... There's one song in particular, and you'll probably know which one I'm going to say, and it's Storm the Gate. It's just so, it's so out there. I love it. Yeah, um, there's actually, that one was was done in Nashville. Uh, about half the songs were done in uh, in Portland, Oregon, where I live. Yeah. And half of them were done in Nashville. And that was one of the ones that came out of the Nashville session that, that uh, I really liked. So, You see, the thing I love about that song especially is... When we get songs to review and to check out artists, especially from either artist management or PR companies, wherever we get it from, we usually get like a press release or an EPK. And in that EPK, it told, it says basically that like where the inspirations have come from for each song. Now, I absolutely love, I mean, it's not a nice situation to be in, but do you want to tell us about like how Storm the Gate came about? Um, I was... Uh... In a songwriting session in Nashville, uh, we were kind of in a rush to get the songs down and decide what we wanted to cut. Yeah. Um, which, you know, isn't normally how I operate, but, you know, I was learning how, learning the ropes, how, to, how they do it down there. And um, so the record producer that I was writing with, uh, he kept telling me, man, we got to get these songs past the gatekeepers. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, we got to get them on the radio. We got to get them past the gatekeepers. People make the, the decisions in Music City, you know, Yeah. on what gets played and what doesn't. I said, well, I don't know if you've listened to country radio, um, but at least at least over here in the States, at least over in the States here um, on FM country radio, I don't hear a lot of country music. Yeah. So I said, and who, who the hell are the gatekeepers? It's time to storm the gate. So that's I wrote that right after he left. Um and that's that's actually been probably our most successful song so far. Uh, that won us a World Songwriting Award for Best Traditional Country Song, Winter 2020. Yeah. Um, and it's got the most streams on our Spotify and Apple Music and stuff. So That's brilliant. I mean, for people out there who don't kind of get understand like a gatekeeper term, imagine you're a salesperson and you're trying to phone a company to sell them a product, whether it's like paper or whatever, and... You've got to get through the receptionist. Now it's up to the receptionist to say, okay, then I'll page you through to, you know, the manager or the salesperson, whoever's in charge of it. So in like music terms, it's speaking to that almost receptionist who then sends it to the uh, the people who do all the scheduling and all the people who actually do the track listings. Now in country music, especially in the most recent, you know, like the modern era, it is very much predominantly pop country. Yep. And that, that's one of the things I do love about your music is it does take it back to that traditional classic country, you know, as the, as it's called. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I listen to. That's what I like. Um, that's what I grew up with. Uh, and that's, we just stick to that. 
yeah. that's what we do best. And my, my voice is just better suited for that older style too. I, a lot of these guys sing in a lot higher keys. Yeah. And I just, I, my, my range isn't there. So <laughs> I stick with the Merle Haggard and the Johnny Cash and the Waylon Jennings stuff. You see that, that I was going to, I was going to quote like Johnny Cash in the, I wrote a review on Storm the Gate this um, early today. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that because you're in the northwest of America right now. Yes, yes. Whereabouts are you like based? Is it like Oregon? Oregon, Oregon. Awesome. I live I live maybe uh, 10 miles from the end of the Oregon Trail. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if they teach that in school over there, but uh, all the pioneers, when we when we won the West, I'm like right in the area where they settled. If, if Here in the UK, if you do, um, if you do like American history, you know, that kind of genre in history, then we do learn about that. I didn't take it personally. I was always the like sports and sciences yeah. kind of guy. What uh, going to school and what what was it you did at school? You know what was your like top lessons? Oh, I was always a big history buff, um, and as more of my songs are released, you'll definitely see that show through. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple songs about the American Civil War, um, which currently I'm reworking because now you can't say certain things about the American Civil War without offending everybody. Yeah, you know. Uh, so, but I, I do have a passion for that. Awesome. Um, anything, anything about the old West, anything about the civil war, the American revolution. Sorry. I know you guys don't <laughs> care about that. But. Well, it's a big thing for Americans in particular, especially like July 4th and, yeah, you know, yeah. celebrate. I mean, fair play. I mean, if we was colonized, you know, it'd be the same for us. You know, we'd celebrate actually gaining our independence. I mean, we've just recently had Brexit. So we've all yeah. we've now yeah. left the European Union. So it's almost like a similar thing. I mean, it's not as brutal as it was back in seventeen uh, seventeen seventy four. It was. Uh, I think the war was uh, from seventeen seventy three through seventeen eighty one. Wow! See, that shows yeah. how much I don't know about American history. I was close. I was. In, I was yeah. in that range. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about your EP coming up. I mean, you've got some songs already listed out there. Um, the EP is called in the works. It's called in the works. And, um, it's going to be a five or six song EP. I don't know if, if we put the sixth one on there, I don't know if, uh, it's really an EP anymore. It's just like a little album, but, um, we're going to call it an EP. Um, <laughs> and it's actually kind of funny. And that comes out on August 7th, uh, available on all platforms. And then we're going to uh, press hard copies on vinyl yeah. and on CD for those of you who like to have hard copies um, and give uh, the band a little bit more money than what we'd be making on the streaming services. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it's actually funny how that came about. I was working with an artist here in Oregon and uh, he was just sending me different ideas and stuff. And I, he finally, I don't know if you've seen the album art. Yeah. Yes, I have. But uh, that's like the innards of uh, an old John Deere combine. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. Um, so it's a it's an antique piece of farm equipment, probably from the 40s or 50s. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, so it's an EP, so it's a sample of the full album that's going to come out later. I could call it In the Works because the picture is literally in the works of yeah. the old tractor. And uh, 
So I kind of wrote, I, I had the idea kind of backwards because I thought of the title and then I wrote the song based <laughs> off of the artwork. I've never done that before. Um, so we, we do have a title cut. It's called In the Works. Uh, we just recorded that on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and it turned out really well. Uh, we put like a honky tonk uh, piano track mm-hmm. in there. Um, guy by the name of Brady Goss, who uh, we shared the stage with at uh, Pendleton Roundup, which is a big rodeo out yeah. here. Um, and uh, it, it turned out really well. I'm excited for everybody to hear it. I kind of I kind of went a political route, but I I went straight down the middle, so I wouldn't uh, offend anybody, or at yeah. least or at least I don't think. Maybe somebody will get mad. I don't know. <laughs> You see, that, that, that's the great thing with music, though, is, you know, a lot of people can, you can twist it almost into any, you know, not just music, but art form itself. You know, you can make it suit uh, how you either view something or disapprove of something. You know, it's yeah, it's one of those things that is just so universal to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just wanted people to glean what they could glean in their own minds and, and let it mean uh, whatever the listener wants it to mean. Yeah. Which, which to me, that's, that's good music. Now going back to the CD and the press and the vinyls is, it's fantastic, you know, being able to still produce, you know, physical copies. It's, you know, there's nothing quite like having, you know, a proper vinyl sleeve, you know, kept, you know, nice and pristine, you know, ready for listening. And, you know, it's it used to be like a big collector. It's, becoming quite a collector's thing now you know having these vinyl arts and when you look at in the works is artwork itself it just looks it's brilliant it's so it's quirky to say the word yeah yeah i mean i i've just never been a fan of having my mug on a on a cover like i don't yeah i don't know i don't know i i want it to be i want it to reflect the the theme of whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So, uh, I went with that and I, I think it's pretty cool. It, it, uh, it stands out. And I think on the, on the backside, uh, we're going to do like the same image, but, uh, he painted that same, that same photograph. Um, and, uh, it, so that looks pretty cool. And then, you know, if we, if we have like a fold out sleeve on there yeah, or like a, not a fold out sleeve, but like a, if it like opens up like a book, yeah, we'll probably have a picture. Then we'll probably have a picture of all of us in the band uh, posing. You see, so, when you go back to like the sixties, seventies, eighties, you know when vinyls were at the at the peaks, you know the that was the biggest. That was like the collector editions, you know, where you used to get like the pullouts and the you know yeah. images of the bands, and then you get like the lyric sheets. I mean, going back to like cassette days, where you used to pull out the the sleeve and you can actually get the whole lyric sheets. They used to be yeah. awesome. Yeah. What What is your like influences going into music then, you know, what is it that you, you mentioned Johnny Cash and Malagard earlier, you know, who is it that like defined you as a singer? You know, who was it that was in your ears as a kid? As a, as a young kid, it was all the old country stuff. Um, my dad liked the really classic stuff from the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. And then by the time I came around in 92, you had bands popping up like, uh, uh, Brooks and Dunn yeah. and, uh, you know, Clint Black and and Alan Jackson and Mark Chestnut and all those 90s guys. So my dad liked that stuff, too. And then he was also uh, my parents grew up in Florida. And uh, back when they were growing up, there was a big southern rock scene 
down there in, uh, in Jacksonville was yeah. like the epicenter of the Southern Rock, and it was the Outlaws, it was Molly Hatchet, it was Leonard Skinner, the Almond Brothers. Um, so they liked all that stuff. And then uh, as a teenager, I um, kind of rebelled a little bit and grew my hair out and uh, sewed my own patch jacket, and I was a headbanger. Yeah. Um, I liked Motorhead and Metallica and Slayer and Iron Maiden, Juice Priest, all that stuff. Um, and then I think probably around 14 or 15, my voice changed and I was playing in a heavy metal band and I couldn't sing all those high soaring notes like Rob <laughs> Halford or, or Bruce Dickinson. And, uh, I was like, man, that country stuff that I grew up on is like right in my wheelhouse vocally. So I just started doing that and it's, uh, it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, you know, the whole growing up and going through like the puberty i mean your voice is just so deep i'm jealous i yeah I, it's uh luck of the draw i'm not i'm not sure what side of the family it came from but uh i i, I don't know what to tell you man i it's just it just happens it happens and i'm just i'm using what i got i'm not very good at anything else so i figure i might as well just use this voice <laughs> use you, you know use what god gives you that's what matters yeah, yeah. Go, uh, going thank back. You. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. No problem. I mean, like I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I wish I had that. I've always grown up, you know, with a slightly higher voice than your average bloke, um, man. Sorry if I use a lot of English, you know, British phrases. If if you do get confused with anything, just give me a shout and I'll uh, I'll try and switch it up. But yeah, I I, I can follow. Growing up, it was um, very much. Everyone else's voices got like really deep, and I was always like jealous. I could almost mimic it, but talking normally, it was very, you know, it's your voice is your voice, and like you say, you know, there's nothing you can do really to change it, and you use it to full advantage. I mean, like I'll go back to you know, storm the gate. Use your voice, you know, not just on the really low ends, but you can actually bring it quite high for your range. It's you do suit it suits so well, especially that classic scene. That's um, that's something that I had to work on too because I I kind of found my comfort zone. Yeah, singing more of like a baritone style, and uh, I actually one of the really good things that came out of that Nashville session was we tried songs in different keys, and I mean for years I was singing most of my songs in the same two or three keys and singing them really low. Yeah. And, uh, Dean got me out of that. And, uh, now even when I write stuff on my own, I, you know, we'll modulate up to a different key and then I'll sing higher. Yeah. Uh, he got me out of that box and I, I, I do have a little bit more of a range, uh, just, you know, working with him on expanding it with different keys and stuff. So that was really a positive thing that came out of that Nashville session. When you're actually going to sing in those, you know, slightly higher keys, do you have to do a lot of, like, prep work and get yourself almost ready for it, a proper warm-up? I usually just crack, crack open a Coors Light and light a cigarette. <laughs> I, I probably should warm up. Everybody tells me that's really bad, but, um, you know, I sometimes when I warm up my voice too much, uh, I, I'm i so focused on the, the technicalities and the, and the form yeah. of singing that I lose my phrasing and my, uh, you know, my unique voice yeah. uh, in the process. So I just kind of go in there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do a warm up. 
you know, in the studio or, you know, we'll do a sound check uh, probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes before we go on a live show. Um, so I'm not going in cold. Yeah. Uh, but as far as actually doing a uh, classical warm up, I don't I don't do anything. Uh, what about um, going on to stage, performing a gig, for example? Is there anything you do before that, or is it just literally crack a beer up and have a cigarette and just uh, Well, the, 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 the cracking of the beer uh, comes after we have to <laughs> uh, load our entire sound system in, get all of our instruments set up, wire our own sound, do our own sound check. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so after we do all the work, then I'll, then I'll go get... Uh, Trading my ticket that they give us at the shows for yeah. my free beer. <laughs> Joys of being an independent artist, then. Yeah. Now yeah. you mentioned you used to be a bit of a uh, headbanger and a metalhead. Yes. Did you used to be part of a like a metal band? First developing. Uh, not anything or? that you'd know, um, but we had a band in high school. Uh, we were called uh, Bigger Trigger. Bigger Trigger. Uh, yeah. And you know we did anything from Motley Crue and Rat all the way to Slayer and Metallica and Megadeth. I mean, and anything in between, hard rock or heavy metal wise, we were kind of all over the place. But uh, yeah, we had fun. I played rhythm guitar um, and uh, we had a lead guitarist and a bassist and a drummer and a singer. And I would do some of the singing sometimes, but it, it, would, it would just tear up my voice because I, I, like I said, I just don't have that range. Do you reckon you could do that now with the uh, practice you've had? Um, stylistically, <laughs> still, it's 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 a stretch. And, and a lot of that stuff has like a screechy vocal, too. Yeah. And um, it just, it tears up your vocal cords. So, I mean, the only experience of singing I've got is on a karaoke machine. So even then, you know, <laughs> I can push my voice too far, let alone yeah. singing full metal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, I do uh, karaoke every now and then. I But I I always try and sing something that's not country. Yeah. What's your go-to um, song? Uh, I do like Frank Sinatra. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and I'll do like, uh, you know, I'll do like uh, like musical numbers, like stuff from Greece and stuff. Just stuff for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Piano Man by Billy Joel. See, um, the songs that everybody knows. Because <clears throat> I, I don't mean to sound cocky or anything. But sometimes when you're singing karaoke and everyone's having fun, and then you get up there and I'll sing like a Johnny Cash, and then the next person is like, "Oh well, sh- oh Mr. Singer over here." So I like karaoke for me is like having fun. Like yeah. I want to make fun of myself. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. That that there is perfect. I mean. That's what karaoke is about. It's about letting your hair down and just not giving a fuck. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. you said, you mentioned that your parents were from like Florida. Was you yeah. born in Florida? I was born in Florida, yeah. How old was you when you moved to Oregon? I was seven or eight. What's your memories then of like Florida? Uh, lots of family. My dad is the... <laughs> Eighth of ten kids oh, um, wow. have close to fifty first cousins. That's a big uh, family. Yeah, so it was it was kind of a it, yeah big big Irish Catholic family. 
So we they they bred like rabbits. It's <laughs> uh, a lot of us. So I'm sure some of them will end up uh, checking out this podcast. So I I come with a whole slew of fans. <laughs> I bet it's great when you're about to release music and you just send it to your family. Next, you've got hundred streams straight away. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. And uh, that's the other thing. I I know when we end up doing shows, when we can finally tour again, whenever this thing is going to end. Um, when we end up doing shows back down there in Florida, I'll have, you know, 50, 60 people at least that show up and that support me. So yeah, it's nice. That's the main thing, you know, seeing that familiar face. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, even around here, uh, when we play shows, we've got a good, I'd say a rotation of probably 80 to a hundred people that are regulars at the shows. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. And you know, some of them are really big into the line dancing. Some of them are really big into the two step. Uh, some of them just come and watch and have a couple drinks. Uh, but, uh, and then there's, you know, my brothers are back from school. Now they show up all the time. Uh, my dad who actually runs the kind of the financial side of the band. Yeah. Um, He's always there wearing his T-shirt. My parents, like a couple of dorks, sitting in the front row with the with the band T-shirts on. It's just like might as well just have a sign on their head that says, "I'm I'm the singer's <laughs> mom and dad." Do they wear it when they go but, shopping? Oh yeah, yeah. See, it's publicity. I, in fact, I was driving down the road the other day and I passed my dad, and I gave him the the wave from the truck. Yeah. And as I pass him, he's wearing my freaking T-shirt. <laughs> it's perfect. Like so do you do you own any other? shirts like <laughs> that's brilliant it's like having a billboard yeah yeah you know people will be thinking who's this guy let's check him out yeah perfect oh and if you ask my dad will tell you sometimes if you don't ask he'll tell you yeah he'll just force it down <laughs> people's throats that's what you need yeah. though that's what family's yeah. for exactly exactly i'm very blessed I, I i joke but i'm i'm very blessed do you still live with your family or do you have your own place now uh, I got my own place. I'm actually sitting on my back porch uh, right now, having my morning coffee. I don't know what time it is for uh, you, but here it is, six thirty in the evening. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, you're ten thirty a.m. here. Yeah, you're eight hours back. Okay. Um, Pacific time. So yeah, it's looking at like your surroundings because at the moment we're talking on skype and we can see each other's like surroundings i'm in my room at the moment with um some johnny cash posters actually behind me and um yeah i can see like in a reflection of a window and it just looks so serene here i'll take you we live on about eight acres uh right near the river and that's Oh, you see wow. the little barn back there. Uh, I don't know if the cows are out yet, but the neighbors got uh, maybe 10, 12 head of uh, cattle. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, if I could show you outside my window, they, I live in the countryside here in the UK. Um, I'm in the north of England, and I'm, out, I'm just outside a city called York, and I've got fields everywhere around me. And, yeah. But it's nothing like that. That is amazing. Yeah, Oregon's really pretty. It's very green. Yeah. Um, and actually, we have a similar uh, climate 
uh, to you guys over there. Um, we're kind of on the same parallel. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it rains a lot. Um, but the, we're, right now we're in the period where it's, it's, we'll maybe have three, four weeks of no rain. Yeah. Um, it's the same for here. But most of the year it's, it's, it's pretty wet and rainy, but, uh, we got everything here, man. It's, uh, in Eastern Oregon, it's desert. Central Oregon is kind of like, um, mix of desert and mountains and then you, you get into the western part of the state and then you got the case cascade mountains where there's mount hood uh big uh skiing attraction um and then you got the beach so it's like all oh, wow all got, forms of land just in one state you've yeah. literally got everything on your back doorstep yeah it's it's a pretty fun fun place to grow up for sure uh lots of fishing and camping and all that kind of stuff Talking about like fishing and camping, what's your like go to hobbies? Uh fishing and camping. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um we and you know, when we go out, uh we'll do quite a bit of target shooting. Yeah. Um I've never been all that much of a hunter. I've I've done it before. I used to live in Montana and we would we'd go hunting out there. Um but uh mostly, you know, setting up watermelons and shooting them with the shotgun. Yeah. And, some rain and and killing old beer cans with the 22 and you know nothing fancy we're not running a, a target shooting competition or anything but uh we have got fun. To be practiced. Then, yeah yeah um and then fishing man uh huge into that uh there was a point when, before i got into music like super seriously i used to go fishing every day um and actually on the other side of uh my place here uh is the Willamette river and you can go down there and catch some smallmouth bass and crappie and bluegill and all that off the dock. Oh, nice. And, uh, there's some, there's rumored to be some pretty big catfish in there, but I haven't seen any yet. Maybe I just haven't dropped my line into the channel the right way. That's it. I mean, the more you put it in, the more chance you'll get a nice bite. So that's what you need to be doing today. You need to get yourself out on river. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I do. Uh, that's a good idea. I mean, it looks it looks the weather for it. I mean, it's not brilliant sunshine. It's a bit cloudy, so it looks like it'd be a good day for fishing. This, this actually would be a perfect day for fishing. Not see now you're now you're making me want to leave right now and go wet a line. <laughs> That's it. Well, you've got to finish this podcast first. That's what matters most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now talk about fashion. I gotta say, I love your hat and I love the shirt. It's like a beigey Stetson. But it's what what make is the hat? Oh, uh, that this is a Stetson. Stetson, uh, I believe. I believe it's from uh, the late fifties, early sixties. I picked it up in a secondhand store. Yeah. Um, from maybe maybe uh, eighty five bucks, I think. That's brilliant. Um, and then this, I think my. It's funny when you play in a country band, because people, especially. Americans in general, yeah, like they have like Western wear just kind of hanging around <laughs> that they haven't worn in years because yeah. they went to that hoedown barn party one time and then they just their boots are in there just gathering dust. Um, so it's funny when you play in a country band because like everybody has this shit lying around, yeah, and they're like, oh well, Robert can wear it. So this was in my aunt's closet, uh, and she she. Her, her and her husband were cleaning out um, 
just some old stuff during quarantine just because yeah. there was nothing else to do. And they said, look at all these old Western shirts that we've got. Like, you're not going to wear them. Like, send them to Robert. So, yeah, this is this is definitely kind of a classic, like a retro vibe. I'm not sure what these little patterns are. Some sort of flower, like orange blossom or cotton blossom. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty neat. I've, this is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, here in the UK, obviously, because country and like the Western side has only been going around for the past... 10, 15 years, you know, it's only really started growing in the pace it has done. And mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I can't go around my local city centre wearing a Stetson because people just look at you thinking, what is this guy doing? You know, it's not the norm here. Yeah. But I've, I've it's got It's not really the norm here. I mean, depending on where you're at, it, it is. Um, in some of the small towns, you'll see a lot of, a lot of Stetson hats, a lot of boots. Yeah. Um, I mean the particularly community that I live in, um, it's a, it's a, it's a agricultural community. Yeah. So, you know, lots of people driving trucks and wearing cowboy boots and, you know, just how it is. I mean, Uh, that's how most of Oregon is. Oregon gets kind of a bad name actually because of Portland and all the riots and crazy stuff that goes on there. But, uh, the rest of the state is, you know, farmers and loggers and fishermen and, uh, you know, outdoorsmen and ranchers and all that, those kind of people. So yeah, chilled, but yeah, my, um, I've got a Stetson, a pair of cowboy boots and mm-hmm. I think my Stetson was $300 cause it was brand new and it's beaver skin. And I've got a pair yeah. of deer hide cowboy boots, which were $200, I think. And that's from, a, that's a, it was from a store in San Antonio. Um, oh, wow boots and barn or something i can't i can't remember it was a good five years ago but yeah it's if i could i wear my boots all the time but it's the hat you know it's the stetson that i can't really show off which is what i want to do as much as possible so yeah you're living the life you're living my life it's brilliant yeah um you know it it took me a while uh to, to get used to it but i i try to be you know robert henry the musician as much as i can in public just because i'm trying to build a brand right so i I do try to wear the hat as much as possible yeah but you know sometimes like if you're if you're in town and you're wearing this i mean you'll get some some weird looks but around here it's not abnormal at all yeah in fact one of the biggest rodeos in uh uh in the west is just down the road here the clackamas county fair and rodeo over in canby maybe like eight or ten miles away so Lots, lots of cowboy hats. It's, yeah. it's not that weird. I mean, that that's one of the, that used to be one of my pastimes. Is I used to go to the local bar in San Antonio, and I used to sit because they used to have screens all around the bar because it's like a horseshoe shaped bar, and okay. they'd always either have the rodeo on, football on, or some form of sports match. It was brilliant, and I'd always be fixated on the rodeo. I used to love it. Yeah, yeah, I had a couple buddies i used to work in yellowstone as the uh cowboy singer for the chuck wagon cookout yeah the tourists would come and we'd take them out in a wagon with a with a horse-drawn carriage and um we would do like a i would sing for them around the fire and stuff and uh but anyways i digress uh there there was quite a few guys um the guys that really actually knew what they were doing with the horses i was kind of a hack um (laughs) but uh a lot of those guys uh, ended up doing the rodeo circuit for a while. And there, there's some 
tough sons of bitches. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I, that's. I couldn't even imagine trying to do what they do. I mean, the amount of sheer strength you need. It depends what you're doing, whether you're doing the roping or whether you're doing, you know, the barrel. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. The way the bolting from barrel to barrel. Uh, barrel racing. Yes, it's just you need some serious strength and coordination. Yeah, and then the the saddle bronc and the bareback bronc and the bull riding is like. Uh, I think Robert Earl Keane put it best. It's it's like uh, going down the highway at 75 miles an hour and then chunking the steer- steering wheel right out the window and then just seeing what happens. <laughs> You're not brilliant. in control. That, yeah. I can totally picture that. I mean, especially watching it. It's, yeah, it, my, my hat goes off. If I was wearing a hat now, my hat would go off to him. Uh, yeah. Going back to like the music, then you mentioned two. Uh, you've been we've been mentioning two stepping now. There's one of your songs that I've. It's that got that pace, that tempo, that rhythm that really, really would suit a two step, and I think it usually goes. It has that nice cadence to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's uh it's really fun to watch the dancers that really know what they're doing. Uh, there's a couple clubs that we play that are really geared towards dancing with a big floor and everything. And there's people that hang out there that'll dance to basically anything. Yeah. Um. And it's funny because in the beginning of the song we're doing like a straight two four, boom, 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 and then it when I go into the chorus part, it uh, it walks the bass. Yeah. And then they'll start doing like different steps. I, I couldn't explain it because I'm not a dancer, but it's it's fun to watch them like react to the different segments of the song. Yeah. Especially when you're increasing, you know, when you do go in line with the bass. Obviously there's a it means you're taking that extra step, whereas before you're taking every other step. Yep. So yeah, yep. you can I can just picture it now, people just especially couples almost tri- uh, tripping over their own feet, trying to both match up to the song at the exact same time. Yeah, it's been entertaining to watch. Yeah, it's cool. And we've actually got another song that we haven't recorded yet. Um, and it's it, it starts out as like a three-quarter waltz yeah. for like the first couple bars. And then we pause, and then I walk into a country shuffle. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's, it's funny to watch people just like completely get confused and, and trip over themselves on that one. And then we pause again and we go back into three quarter waltz. You're evil. <laughs> yeah. When you're writing yeah. songs and when you're thinking of like the, how the music's going to go instrumentally, you know, do you have that like tempo in mind thinking, yeah, this would suit a nice two step or this would be nice. You know, even on a traditional line dance, you know, hey, I can see this here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, th- those d- conversations definitely happen a lot in the studio. Um, and when we're arranging stuff just in the garage or whatever. Um, but uh, usually that's an afterthought unless we're going into it, like trying to write a dance song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure. That's definitely a part of the conversation. What's it? What was it like then actually getting the band together initially, you know, saying, all right, then I need a bass player. I need drums. I need guitars. You know, how was it you went about getting your group together? Um, I actually had a buddy, uh, the drummer, and he was my drummer for Bigger Trigger in high school. <laughs> so we kind of knew each other musically and had played together 
Yeah. So we really meshed well. And we just kind of built the band around us. Um, I knew a few pedal steel players, which is a huge part of our classic country sound. Yeah. Um, and uh, I landed on, I, I, I think he's the best steel player in Portland. Um, but I'm biased. Uh, You've got to be. So we, we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we found him and he, he jumped at the chance. Uh, Bob Littleton. A uh, really great steel player, um, and then we needed a guitar player. Um, I did a showcase uh, up in the state of Washington uh, for their like fairs and rodeos. Yeah. Um, we were at this convention, and uh, Kenny, our lead guitar player, was playing with a different band at the time, and I really liked his tone. Um, I liked that he used a B bender, so like he can almost make his guitar sound like a pedal steel on some parts really twangy telecaster yeah uh so i just called him up and said hey man you want to join my band like we're gonna really try to make a run at it and he he joined up and then uh jim our bass player has been playing here local for years and years um and i knew him just from you know going out and seeing other live bands uh that he would fill in with and i said well if you want a steady gig we we got a bunch of shows and yeah. we need I like to play with the same people all the time because you really start to do uh to develop a sound. Yeah. Um that's that's one of the things I didn't like about Nashville was uh as cool as it was to watch those session players work because that's all they do. Yeah. Is play music. It just some of the songs that we were doing just didn't sound like my band because it wasn't. Yeah, and that's no fault of theirs. That's just a preference of mine. Like I don't, I don't like to hire out talent all that much. I like to have a sound and a sonic identity, uh, and stick with that with my band and my guys. Yeah. So, well, that that that's one thing with the like the session plays is you know they can play things as it you know as as is written loses almost that personal flair. Say your bass player might have a slightly slower rhythm than the rest of you players. That's just an example kind of thing. Yeah. And yep. it gives that feel to your music. Whereas if you're playing with session players, they'll be playing as is, you know, this is what it is. Boom, 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 done. You know, it loses that yeah. kind of personal touch as well. A little bit. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I, w- I would say I'm probably a little bit more of a stickler on that than, than some people. Um, it, I, I will say it was amazing for them to hear the songs for the first time that morning in the session. And then charted out using the Nashville number system on a piece of scratch paper. Yeah. And then they all played it perfect. I was like, holy shit, that that's pretty cool. Um, and really talented band we had on that session too. It was, um, God, uh, Lonnie Wilson, who's been doing the percussion work for George Strait. Yeah. Um, on his, uh, his Vegas show that he does now. Um, uh, pedal steel player by the name of, uh, Eddie Dunlap. A uh, really talented guy does a lot of Western swing stuff, really intricate, almost like jazz country, like Bob Wills style. All right, uh, just really, really talented guys. Yeah, really talented guys. Now going back to your Telecaster comment, you know that make it almost sound like a slide steel. Going into your second verse after your first chorus on um, on Storm the Gate, it almost sounds like you've got a resonator. Is that the Telecaster that's making that sound that like 
you know, it's not quite a steel sound, but it's not quite a guitar sound. It's almost in between, like a resonator. That that was a that was a Telecaster. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and he was just doing a, a bend that kind of sounded somewhere between a guitar and a steel. Yeah. Um, there, there's there's certain uh, note combinations that don't really sound all that special uh, on their own if you play them straight, but you can combine two or three notes and either bend up into them or start at the bend and then bend back down yeah. to the true note. And it just sounds really, really cool. And that's what makes country guitar, country guitar is all the bends. Yeah. Uh, you, so. you can tell, can tell, especially like you say, you know, that's what makes country music, the bends. It's, yeah. you can hear it distinctly in your music. You know, every, every single instrument is just as clear as day. It's layered perfectly. I mean, the one one of the things I mentioned in the review for Stondergate was I absolutely love how it's almost minimalistic in a sense at the start, you know, during your first verse, going in, then going into the chorus. That's where your drums really kick in. That's where the guitars really kick in. That's where everything just really comes together. And then you go into the second verse with the Telecaster, with the bends, and it just like completes. It's like a cake. You know, you've got all your layers, and then you've got a nice little cherry on top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I love the way that one turned out. Uh, when I got the final mix back from that, I was, I was really excited. I knew that it would be, uh, probably one of the more popular ones that we released. And, uh, I mean, not only that, but it's, uh, I just think the, the lyrical content is something that people can get on board with because I think there's a lot of people out there that are kind of sick of crap. Um, and it's, it's, it doesn't mean, here's my thing. Just because it's pop country doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. It just means it's not really country. Like, I, I just don't think you should be calling something country if it's just so far off to one direction that's not even country anymore. I mean, you got you got click track or not click tracks, uh, snap tracks and uh, clapping and fake drum beats from a track. And it yeah. just sounds artificial. That's it's just is not my I, I don't think that really has any place in country music. That's just me. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's people using, you know, synthesizers and and almost like rapping their songs, and it's just that's just not my thing. I, yeah. It doesn't doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not country. Yeah. Don't call it country if it's not country. That's my thing. Well, that, that's the but people are fed up with that, and that that song talks about how it's you know it's gone so far, yeah, that direction that it's not even country anymore. Well, that, that's it. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that, you know, dislike the way country music has gone from that classic sound. Um, but it, as with everything, everything does slightly change. I mean, I, I personally enjoy, like, the pop country side. I like the, you know, some of the rap stuff. Yeah. Depending on what mood. I mean, don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore classic country because, you know, I use the term classic country to separate it away from, like, the pop country and the everything else because it has that yeah. unique it has that old sound you know the original sound how it how it used to be you know you, you mentioned like johnny cash you know that was the sound that was how we grew up with it mm-hmm. yeah and uh it's um country music has always been in a struggle with itself of you know what are we going to keep and what are we going to take from uh contemporary music to uh, forward the genre yeah. to get more people interested. Um, right now, I just think the pendulum has swung too far the, to the commercial side. 
and we need to get back to basics. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just me. Yeah. I, everybody's got an opinion. Mine doesn't really matter. I, I, all I do is make my music. <laughs> well, that, that's one of the things that I do love about, you know, your music is the fact that it calls it all out. And, you know, it, a lot of people will be scared to do that. And I just love how you've just got the guts and the balls to just say, you know what, this is the issue. This is everything's just becoming too commercialized. You know, it's not allowing the singer and songwriters to spread the wings and be as free as they want to because they're being caged in this little hen, you know, this this little box where you say, All right, then this is what sells. This is what we want. You've got to you've got to fit in there. If you don't fit in there, you know, we'll we'll trim you down, we'll cut you down and you know, I, I, I yeah. do disagree with it. I massively disagree with it. I mean, there is some catchy songs, but when it's at the sake of the artist and stopping that creativity from coming through, then, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, and if your creativity is leading you to do stuff like that's on the radio, follow your heart. I mean, if, if that's your voice, go, go ahead and do it. Um, but, uh, you know, there was there was definitely some push from some people in Nashville for me uh, to not be as traditional. Yeah. And my whole thing with, with storm the gate was uh, like, I'm not even trying to play that game. Like, I don't really even care if, if FM country radio wants to uh, play my songs or not. I love it. Uh, actually over in the UK, uh, we got picked up by 60 stations last week. Fantastic. Uh, it's a little different over there with the radio than it is uh, here in the states. Um, there are a lot. You guys are a lot more willing to pay, play different stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's awesome. Like, if they want to play it, if they like it, pick it up. But like, that's not my end all be all. Yeah. Like, quite frankly, um, you know, going the traditional route of a record label and trying to get the number one country radio hit—that's that's yesterday's game. I'm yeah. not even playing the same game. Uh, I'm I'm all about uh, building fan base that's gonna care about what I'm doing yeah. instead of just you know blanket like oh please like it I'm yeah. gonna with the internet and with all these streaming services you can target your niche and they're right there in front of you exactly. I mean there is a strong following for traditional country um, and there's guys out there doing it now um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, guys like Cody Jinx yeah. or uh, Whitey Morgan in the 78s. Uh, there's a whole underground scene that's like just below the surface. All you got to do is dig a little bit and they've got a huge following. I mean, they're selling out. I mean, shit, last year, uh, Paul Cawthon and Cody Jenks played Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there's there's a market for it there and you don't even have to play the Nashville game. And that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do is do it grassroots. I mean, when I first started listening to country music, five six seven years ago um i had to go through like certain apps on like my iphone to try and get certain radio stations from america and you'd go down the list i've got i've just got it open here now uh-huh. and three quarters of it is this new country sound and then every so often you get a nice you get a nice radio station that plays classic country there's hbr2 today's classic country I think Hank FM plays a lot of classic, you know, it's uh-huh. the, but the majority of it does play that new, that new sound, that new country. And yeah, it's, 
it's difficult having that separation and it's great that uh, I know there's a lot of radio stations here that do have a mixture within their own station but I know there's a lot of dedicated stations that do play the newer stuff there's the dedicated stations that plays the the older stuff then there's the Americana side there's the folk and bluegrass side you know yeah that's that's a great thing with especially like internet stations as well these days is there's such a diverse range where you can put your music and you say okay then you've got your niche here it is here's my music take it play it you know you don't have to blanket it and send it to everybody and expect you know you know, praying for five or ten or twenty or who, however many to accept it, and yeah. that, that's the great thing about what's happening here in the UK at the moment is because it's relatively new. It's we're finding what we like. You know, we've got our own artists here now that are growing as well, and we're developing our our own sound. You know, in that country scene, and you know, there's yeah. a lot of these American art, Americana artists, especially like Malcolm McQuart here in the UK, who just has this that sound you know there's that you just know that sound that classic sound and it fits yeah. and i totally get where you're coming from I, d- I do i mean as a, as a fan of new country as well you know i can see both points but yeah i totally get where you're coming from now because of all your thoughts within like the classic country scene and how new country has gone would you ever go back to nashville i would go back to nashville i'm not going to rule nashville out i would go back to nashville and do things my own way and, 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 and pick out people that want to do the same stuff as I do. Yeah. I wouldn't just go in there blind. Um, I, I would definitely go back knowing what I know now. I will probably end up, uh, it's looking like nothing's for sure right now because the whole world is <laughs> you know, on hold yeah. right now. But uh, it's looking like we're going to do a project down in Austin. Oh, uh, cool. Once everything opens back up. Um, I've gone back and forth a few times with the do you know uh, Mike and the Moon Pies? Yes. Yep. Um, so I'm friends with their uh, record producer Adam Oder. Oh really? And, uh, yeah he's got a uh, studio down uh, in Wemberley, Texas uh, outside of Austin and I've I've gone back and forth with him a few times about possibly doing an album yeah. and uh, writing some songs with him so uh, that would be really cool. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards Austin yeah. area. Um, would you ever move down Texas way or would it just be like a fleeting visit, you know, go down there, produce some music, come back up, back to Oregon? As much as I would hate to leave Oregon, um, I would probably, at some, at some point you got to make the jump, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for a lot of these guys that I've been in contact with and met, I'm like that other country guy that lives somewhere out west. Yeah. Because I'm not there in the scene. Like, I'm not right in front of their face. So, eventually, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to make a move uh, to Texas. Uh, me and my drummer were looking at places in uh, San Marcos, which is like halfway between San Antonio and Austin. Yeah. Uh, so, big music cities. Lots of live gigs to play, um, and uh, lots of opportunities for for networking and um, you know finding pickers to run with and yeah. making it happen. See that that's the other issue as well is we've got the difference between classic country and new country, but then there's also the difference between classic country for like Nashville and Tennessee and the rest of the US, and then there's Texan country. 
Yeah. You know, the very yeah. much home. Just, uh, just like everything else, Texas, uh, has got its own version of, 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 uh, the way they like to do things musically. Yeah. Uh, and there's actually been a lot of Texas guys that have gone to Nashville and almost like graduated to Nashville and gone with a more commercial sound after they've been successful in Texas. Um, I'm trying to just get into that Texas scene um, yeah. and not even necessarily like the red dirt scene. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I think uh, there's a lot more appeal for what I'm doing down there than in Nashville. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, it fits, it fits so much nicer down in Texas than it would in Nashville. I totally get that. I mean, yeah. Look at my flag just here that I keep next to my desk. I've always got a um, I've got a Texan flag on my desk here at, at home. So I've just uh, I've I've just shown Robert now. But yeah, there's definitely a distinct sound between like like you say the red dirt and then there's the te- there's the generic Texan. I mean, you look at like George Strait. George Strait when you mention like that graduation, it's almost like he's semi graduated to the Nashville scene because he's like gone between. People used to absolutely love George Strait because he was Texan, and you know he was he was the country he was the the country artist there. And then he went to Nashville, yeah. and a lot of people kind of fell out with him, and a lot of people from Texas stopped listening, and then they started listening again. It's yeah, it's interesting. The politics side to country music is really interesting. I find it's it's really funny too because country music fans are the most loyal. Yeah, uh, but if they feel like they're getting abandoned and you're not doing things the way that you did it to get you there, yeah, they'll turn on it real quick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially the traditional ones. They'll be like, Oh, well he sold out. Screw him. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you listen to George Strait, when you listen to the George Strait from the early eighties, I mean, that is honky tonk music. That's yeah. straight out of the heart of Texas. Um, and then, you know, as you progress into kind of the mid nineties, um, uh, the his sound got more polished. It got more uh, commercial, yeah. um, and I think that turned some people off. But I mean, that's what made him an icon. And yeah. you go back and listen to that stuff that people were saying. Oh, it's more polished. It's not as country. That's country as hell. Yeah, compared to what's going on nowadays. So, oh, definitely. I'll, I'll always love George Strait. <laughs> Who can't love George Strait? I mean, he's he's he's. When you think of like the like we've just been saying, you know, when you think of the classic country, when you think of just country music in general, you know, you've got your George Straits, your Garth Brooks, your Alan Jacksons, your, you know, it's like the staples of country music. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you progress through that and establishing your name in there as well. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, if I could be mentioned in the same sentence with any of those guys, that would be uh, a huge honor. Um, but, uh, right now, man, we're just focused on being the Robert Henry band and, and getting our name out there and, and, uh, making stuff that hopefully people like, um, and we're not, we're not writing for anybody. Like we're not like trying to, to get into anything and, and like, please like it or anything. We write songs for ourselves and make stuff that we would listen to. And I think that awesome authenticity shows through. Uh, for yeah. fan country music, like like if I would listen to it, I'm a fan too. Yeah. So I try to make songs that I would want to listen to. Oh, totally. That, that, so. That's what it's about, though. Is you know, a lot of people. I've, I think I've mentioned this on my show before. You know, a lot of people 
make the music just to make the money, you know, try and get into the money side of things straight away. And it loses that characteristic and that charisma, that that whole sense of why you're there to write the music, to be in the music, to perform for people. And, you know, that that's what you need to do the most is be able to be able to write music for yourself. And if you don't like it yourself, how are you going to expect anybody else to love it? And that's the risk with the commercialization of things is you lose that person, uh, personal ability to it. You know, it's, it becomes less personal to you. Yeah. And we did, uh, on that Nashville session, uh, we did, I think five songs and I only used two of them because the other three, I just, I didn't like them, so I couldn't release them. Yeah, I, I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right on that. Have you have, how many songs have you got in your like back pocket now, ready to get down? Whether it's a future EP or oh god, um, ones that are completely worked out and arranged with the band. We probably got another probably fifteen or twenty more. Oh wow, I wasn't expecting that many. Yeah. Um, because I mean, before I mean before all this, all we did was play live all the time. Yeah, and we, we, you get you get sick of playing covers. So I was just like, let let's write songs. And our, our practices, now that we have our material down that we're going to do every show, our practices are practicing new songs. Yeah, and and arranging them and making them sound you know fresh and and working on different uh, key changes and different. Uh, harmonizations and and all, all the all the kinds of little things and little fills that make uh, a song yeah that's awesome so, I, can't, I can't wait to hear what actually does come out yeah uh i'm i'm excited for everybody to hear it um and there's going to be two new ones on the on the ep uh that no one else has heard we, four of them i've released as singles just yeah. kind of slowly over the past four months uh we did a single a month and then those four will be on the EP along with two new ones. Um, and uh, that'll be, that's that's in the works, what, what I was talking about earlier, and that's uh, out on August 7th. Awesome. So, yeah, the the four tracks we just mentioned, they're available on Spotify and Apple Music already, you know, and you can yeah. purchase it on iTunes. We always say, you know, buy the music rather than stream the music, but, you know, we all, we all got the Spotify and we've all got Apple Music, so listen to the music that's the main thing and the four tracks at the moment are storm the gate usually goes canadian border and dark side yes sir can't wait to hear the, what you've got in planned you know for the seventh yeah yeah this the title track in the works and then uh another song that my drummer actually wrote uh <laughs> um called something better oh wow something so. better yes Awesome. Can't, looking forward to hearing it. I've got it in my calendar saved already for 7th, so I'm looking forward to hearing what awesome. actually does come out. Where can we find you on like social media and all that jazz? So uh, Facebook is uh, under Robert Henry Band. Um, so if you just type that in the search bar, our page will come up. Uh, and then Instagram, which we're probably most active on Instagram, uh, is at Robert Henry Music. Awesome. Uh, and then Twitter, um, which I could be better about Twitter, but we're, we're kind of building our following there, um, is capital R, capital H, Henry Music. R-H, Henry Music. So. Brilliant. So, yeah, everybody follow Robert on 
all the socials really, you know, keep up to date with it. You're not going to be disappointed. I absolutely, I personally absolutely love the music. You know, I've written a review already, so be sure to check that out as well on my website. And, you know, I want to thank you again, Robert, for coming on. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I couldn't get the word out without uh, shows like yours and, um, you know, the, the smaller radio stations and every, everybody who's in your realm of, of media and stuff. Uh, you guys are a huge help and I'm, I'm happy to have your support. Well, that's the main thing is we like good music and that's what we like to promote. Um, just yes, to, and I, I like to think that I make good music, so it's perfect match. <laughs> perfect. Now, I've just got a couple of questions to like finish up on. And then we'll call it a day, let you go fishing. All right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, have you got any plans to come to the UK in the future? Uh, it's definitely been talked about. Uh, we've, we've had a really good uh, reception yeah. and lots of streams uh, out of the UK. Um, like I said, uh, I think it was Dark Side last week that got picked up by 60 stations over there. Um, so I, I'm definitely open to it uh as as soon as uh americans can come to the uk <laughs> once we get our act together with this virus uh i, I would be happy to come and, and see you guys that, yeah. would, that would be really cool i mean with just quickly on the virus it's crazy seeing some of the figures i think it was like fifty-eight thousand new cases a day in america yeah yeah wow i mean don't get me wrong the number is very very high and it is not to be you know laughed or joked about but you look at the amount of people that do live in america you know it is in kind of correlation to the rest of the world in that sense but still fifty-eight thousand is a lot of people yeah i mean i i think part of that is uh we we really ramped up um testing like we're doing more testing than a lot of other parts of the world so and you got places like china and russia that don't tell the truth oh yeah about what how many cases they have so i mean as far as day-to-day life goes i mean at least around here you know I'm, I'm out of town a little bit you wouldn't even know that anything's going on yeah uh but it's when you go into town or you you, you go to the the uh bar to go have a, a glass of beer you know get some chicken wings or a sandwich and then you got to wear a mask and every all the all the seats are distance apart and everything that's yeah. the only time i notice um, have you got a mask for ready when you go into cities? I keep one. I keep one in my in my car. Yeah. See, yeah. That, um, that's the main thing, everybody, is make sure you're wearing masks. Make sure you are keeping distance because we don't want second waves. We don't want more waves. We want, we want to get back to normal. That's the main thing is we want to have some form of normality again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially over here in the in the States, there's a lot of discourse as far as um, you know, we were talking about earlier, we're still really proud of, uh, the constitution and the bill of rights and, and yeah. 4th of July and all that. So there's a, there's a big faction over here. That's like, well, if we do this, then what comes next? And they're kind of trying to use the slippery slope argument, which I'm not going to say is invalid, but if all we have to do is this to, to, to kick this thing and get it behind us, um, you know, I, I don't care what you believe, just, you know, bear with everybody else until we get it figured out so that we can, I'm, I'm selfish, man. I just want to get back out there and play. I want to get everybody into a room. I want everybody just close. I want them hugging and kissing and dancing and, and packed wall to wall. 
yeah. shoulder to shoulder, listening to the Robert Henry band. That's it. So, so if that's what we got to do to get back to that, let's just do it and get it over with. Exactly. That, that's what it's about. It's, it's about getting back out there and getting to see the bands that we want to see. You know, at the moment we've been stuck inside for three months, like over a hundred days. And the arts has suffered massively here in the UK. You know, there's venues that are closing down because they've not been able to open. There's places that are starting to open, but they can't have as many people in. So they're losing money. You know, it's, we want some form of normality. You know, it's heartbreaking to see. Last few questions is to do like food and drink. Now, you won't have heard of this cookie before, but we have something here in the UK called Jaffa Cake. Now, what I want to know is, would you have it or wouldn't you have it? Now, a Jaffa Cake is a like a sponge. It's like the size of a cookie with a sponge base, but it's like a dense sponge. A bit of like orange jam in the middle of it and layered with chocolate. I'll see if I can find you a photo of it. I should really save this photo on my phone because I... <laughs> It's like one of my go-to questions. I don't know if you can see properly, but that's, that is what a Jaffa cake is. I would absolutely have that. The reason why I always ask this question is here in the UK, there's always a debate. We call cookies biscuits here. I know biscuits over in the States is a lot different because it's, like it's like a scone, like a savoury scone kind of thing. It's, it's, it's savoury, it's buttery. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I've always been on two minds with biscuits. If it's a one from a proper country country restaurant, you know, in the sticks where it's been homemade properly, I can eat them. If it's from like McDonald's and it's a artificially processed crap, no, it's disgusting. Yeah, I can't do that. yeah. and and white gravy as well. Your gravy that you put on it, oh, I'm hungry yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, going back to what I was saying, Jaffa cakes. We call me the a cake or a biscuit. There's always a big debate going on with that. So that's the reason I asked that question. Okay, second question is, do you eat pizza? Yeah. Do you have pineapple on pizza? Uh, sure. <laughs> you said that with like a look of disgust on your face. Um, well, I know that a lot of people are like vehemently opposed to pineapple on pizza. Yeah. I've had it a couple times, and as long as it's fresh, it's not so bad. That, that, that's what it's about, is that freshness. You know, if it's yeah. been there for ages and cooked like three times, then no, disgusting. I actually like it better when, um, so sometimes they'll add it before they bake it, and then the yeah. pineapple's like kind of baked into the cheese. I like it better when they bake the pizza and then add it on top afterwards. Oh, yeah. So, so that it's not cooked. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally get that. I mean, yeah. I, I like it personally when it's being baked, but yeah, I can totally see how it's nice when it's not, because it remains juicy and fresh. Yeah, because when you add the heat to it, it kind of cooks some of the flavor out. Yeah. Um, and same thing... Uh, I don't know if you like jalapenos on pizza. I do. Um, I love jalapenos. But I hate it when they add the jalapenos and then bake all the flavor out of the jalapenos. And yeah. There's no heat on it. I, I want the pizza baked, and then I want you to sprinkle the jalapeno slices on top of the pizza raw. You see, what you need to do <laughs> is have like a – I'm surprised they don't do like um, jalapeno seeds, like a jar of just seeds so you can just sprinkle the heat because that's where all the heat comes from, really. That's where all the heat comes from, yeah. Yeah, so that's um, a good idea. That's it. We, we can create a business together now. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So if music ever fails, and if if this podcast ever fails, we'll just start our own business up. Jalapeno seeds. <laughs> Jalapeno seeds. Last question. I don't know if you have it in the States. I don't think I've seen it. But here in the UK, we call it Marmite. And in the in Australia, it's called Vegemite. Do you have like a yeast form of like a spread? 
I don't know if you'll have had. I don't know if you have Marmite over in the states. I I guess the closest one would be uh, like Nutella. Nutella, it's it's, it's it complete opposite. Yeah, it's like a it's a savory kind of thing. Um, I'm just, yeah, I I I I don't. I've never seen it. Uh, Marmite American version. Only certain um, places sell Marmite in America. Um, <laughs> I think Canada's actually banned the sale of Marmite. In <laughs> so it just, it just shows. That? I don't know um, because they contain illegal additives. I suppose it's. Um, oh. I suppose it's like different FDA laws and things yeah, that we allow yeah. in the UK. You know, you're not allowed in the US, like um, vaping. Certain vaping products are allowed in the UK, but you're not allowed in America. Yeah, yeah, they just they just tightened down the laws on that uh, recently. Um, well, because so many of the uh, the flavors they market towards kids. Yeah, and so a lot of the a lot of the high school kids uh, they went from smoking cigarettes, which is just as bad. Yeah, uh, to to smoking these fruity vape pens, and they. Um, there's, there's, there were some kids uh, that were having lung complications that were perfectly healthy otherwise. Yeah. That were just, I mean, they're in the hospital and then they're they're gone because they they all they did was vape. Crazy. So, I mean, yeah. you, see, you see in the UK sometimes as well. I mean, especially in some of the poorer towns, you see a lot of the kids walking around with vape pens and with mm-hmm. their mums and dads with vape pens, moms and dads with vape pens. You know, it's. it's it's sad to say, I mean, there is a strict 18 only, you know, 18 plus law here in the UK. So it's sad to see people under that age getting hold of products like that. I mean, I know the yeah. law, I know the age ranges are a lot different in the States, especially like drinking, it's 21 in America and it's 18 here in the UK. So there is differences. Yeah. Actually, some of the states here uh, raised the smoking age to 21. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, because you always had like... Uh, I think that's kind of was the the uh, part of the the logic behind raising the drinking age to twenty one back in the eighties or whenever they did that was uh I, I mean when you're eighteen you're still in high school yeah and you have you have buddies that are seventeen sixteen fifteen years old and they're they're all on your back hey can you buy me a pack of smokes hey can you let's get a six pack of beer so I think they were trying to get it out of the high schools like far removed enough like a twenty one year old usually doesn't hang out with a seventeen year old yeah exactly. I mean, unless you're a total high school burnout that, you know, <laughs> never leaves his hometown and still wants to relive his glory days. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all. I mean, I, I, I'm totally for raising the age of drink, um, drinking and smoking here in the UK to 21. There's so many, especially because here in the UK, you can start driving at the age of 17. So when you mm-hmm. see a lot of these 17, 18-year-olds when they've just got the license in licenses going out for a drink and then drink driving and then getting involved in smashes it's it's this, it's ho- it's horrible to see yeah yeah i i don't really know the answer on that one it's because i mean i can tell you from experience kids are going to do what they're going to do yeah so you know i i guess it, it should be harder but you know i always had buddies that were older than me that could get whatever so i mean if if you want it you're going to get it uh, that's it. I mean, there's that's no, there's... why I'm in music and not a, I'm not in the, the legislature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly it. Now, I want to thank you again for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good conversation. Good conversation outside of music too. It's it's fun. That that's what I enjoy. I enjoy not just music itself, but the whole aspect of life and getting into music and the road towards music and yeah, everything kind of like comes together. You know, fate's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, everybody check out Robert's music on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you can get music, check it out. Storm the Gate usually goes, Canadian Border, Dark Side are all out at the moment. On August the 7th, his EP In The Works will be out with, with two songs. And yeah, we look forward to having you on again in the future. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, one more thing uh, before I go, uh, roberthenrymusic.com. Yep. Um, you can actually order uh, t-shirts now. Uh, we got medium, large, XL, and double XL. Fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, check out the merch. I mean, merch is a big thing, especially when you're trying to finance a band and pay wages or pay for fees. A lot of it's, it's, it's how we make up a lot of the, the overhead that, that goes into just going on tour or making a record. Um, yeah. it, it offsets a lot of that um, because it gets expensive quick. So we, we've got just t-shirts on there right now. You can, you can get them on the website. And then in the coming weeks, once I get the order in, uh, we'll have Robert Henry hats, beer koozies. And then once we get the, the vinyl pressed, we'll have vinyl and CDs. Fantastic. I mean, we were mentioning it earlier, you know, having that CD, that physical copy, the sales of that directly goes to you. You know, you're not having to pay these Spotify fees. I mean, yeah, you've got to pay for the actual pressing, but yeah. after that's paid, the money goes to you and the band, and then that allows you to produce more great music. And that's why we always say, you know, buy rather than stream. That's the exp- explanation for everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to leave it there, allow you to go and do some fishing. Thank you for coming on, Robert. It's been, like I say, it's been a pleasure talking to you and I hope to see everybody soon. Take care for now and I'll see you all later. Bye for now. That was the Country Chat Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews and general chit-chats on all things country music.